everyone, thanks so much for allowing me to join you today. What if you received some bad news, um, like you went to the doctor and he gave you a diagnosis and he said, yeah, the treatment for your condition is going to be painful and it's going to last for a few months. After that, you'll feel better, but the next few months are going to be really hard. Or what if you went to talk to your accountant and you discovered that uh, the business was going to drop off for the rest of the year. The next two quarters were going to be brutal and there wouldn't be a turnaround until January of next year. I mean, how do you handle times when things are not only bad, but they might get worse? How does a person of faith live by faith during those times? Is there a chapter in the Bible that talks about this? Yes, it's Habakkuk chapter 2. And today we're going to be talking about some very practical instructions that God gave to his prophet, an Old Testament prophet by the name of Habakkuk, who was facing a situation exactly like that. If you weren't with us last week, the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk had complained to God about the conditions in his country. The leaders were corrupt. He said, oh, Lord, how long must I cry for help? You don't listen. Violence is everywhere. You don't come to save. I mean, he basically told the Lord, why don't you do something about all the corruption going on? And the reason the story is included in the Bible is because God answered him. He said, I am doing something, but you're not going to like it. And you probably won't even believe it. In fact, here are God's exact words. Look around at all the nations and be amazed. I'm going, I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe. Even if someone told you about it, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people, and they'll march across the world to conquer other lands. And this shocked Habakkuk because the Babylonians were ruthless and, and wicked. And he said, well, God, I know I told you that we were bad, but you're going to use them to punish us? He said, Lord, you're our rock. You've sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you're pure and you can't stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? I'm going to climb to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And there I'm going to wait to see what the Lord says and see how he'll answer my complaint. He said, Lord, this can't be. And Lord, I, I, I need a better answer than that. I, I know I was complaining about my people, but this is even worse. Lord, you're telling me that things are going to go from bad to much more of a difficult situation. And what's interesting is, is the Lord did reply to him again. And he said, yeah. I'm going to give you some things to do while you're dealing with those issues because they're coming. So today, if you've ever wondered, hey, what do I need to do when I'm facing difficult times ahead? How does a person of faith live during that time? Well, there are five practical steps out of Habakkuk chapter 2 that apply to all of us. And I want to share those with you. Will you have a word of prayer with me, please? Gracious God, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. I thank you that in Old Testament times and in New Testament times, you've always been with your people and guided them. Father, I thank you that Jesus told his disciples, in this world you're going to have many problems, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so God, today we put our faith in you. We ask that you would speak to us from your word. You give us practical insights on how to deal with things. We're in the middle of a pandemic here, Lord. And we don't know where things are going. In some cases, things might get harder before they get better. So how are we supposed to live? What are some things we need to be doing right now? Give us instruction. Give us hope. Give us clear direction from your word. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. And Lord, I pray that you'd move me out of the way and say whatever you once said. Amen.
So that brings us up to our message for today, that God gave Habakkuk five important things he could be doing while he was facing a very difficult future. First of all, he said this, the Lord said to me, Habakkuk said, write my answer on plain tablet, plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. You and I need to write down the insights that God gives us. Write them down. God said, look, I'm going to tell you about things that are going to come, but everything I tell you, I want you to write it down, write it plainly so others can be told all about this. I mean, that's the advantage of writing things down. It's one of the advantages of writing things down. It allows us to help others with the insights we've been given. But there are a number of advantages to writing things down. It's why, um, the, why we have outlines. And if you've never been to our app or to our website, you can download, download this morning's outline. Some of you do. And you take notes as you watch along with this. If you've never done it before, I'd encourage you to. Because every, when we hand the notes out in, in, uh, when we're at our in-person gatherings, the idea is that every time we hand out notes, it helps information sink in when people write something down. That's why we always hand people a pen and a piece of paper, or we encourage them to take notes on their app. Um, it also helps us remember what God said. And when I write things down and I have a hard copy of it, I can look back later and go, oh yeah, that's what God was telling me. And it even helps me see my own growth and progress. It's funny, when I look back at notes of sermons that I uh, gave 10, 20 years ago, yeah, I can see definite growth. <laughs> In fact, uh, there are some old sermons. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that uh, that's in the past, okay, because there are some things I would have said so much better or with a lot more clarity or a lot more emphasis because God has made things clearer to me. But looking back at my old notes, I can see that. Did you know in Deuteronomy 17, Moses told um, the, people, the children of Israel, he said, one day you're going to get a king, and when he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. The first five books of the Bible, Moses had written those. And he said, when you get a king, the first order of business mean, needs to be the priests need to watch him copy all five, the first five books of the Bible, all five of them, he needs to write them out for himself, a handwritten copy. And he must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he'll learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. So it's not just sermon outlines. If you and I uh, take notes every day when we read our Bible, uh, write a few things down. Well, those are notes we can refer back to. Each day God will speak to us when we look at his word. He'll show us a few things that we need to understand. These are notes for ourselves. I've been doing this for years, for the last several years, on my phone, before that, in notebooks. But I keep these notes with me, and it's really fun. Uh, today, even when I was uh, driving over here to uh, film this video, uh, <laughs> I was listening to some of the entries from my journal this past week. Uh, I let Siri read it to me through the Bluetooth in my car. And so, um, it's just really an interesting thing to see how God speaks to me during the course of a week. And he'll speak to you too, but it helps if we write things down because I go, oh yeah, he said that to me the other day. So if I'm facing a difficult future and things might even get worse, it helps a lot to write things down, to remember what God said, to even be able to help others and to let that information really sink in.
Secondly, uh, God told Habakkuk, this vision is for a future time and it describes the end. It'll be fulfilled. Now, if it seems slow in coming, then wait patiently, for it'll surely take place. It won't be delayed. That's Habakkuk 2.3. God reminded Habakkuk that we all need to wait patiently for God's timing. He said, there will come a day when the Babylonians come, and there will come a day when I settle the score with the Babylonians. All these things were coming. But he said, you need, to be wait, you need to wait patiently. Everything I've told you will happen at exactly the right time. In Psalm uh, 37, David said, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. You and I need to wait for God's timing too. We need to wait for God's timing when we're waiting for a spouse. We need to wait for God's timing when we're waiting for a career change. We need to wait for God's timing sometimes when we're waiting for a diagnosis and we're praying about things. We don't know what's going on. It doesn't mean that God doesn't answer prayer when we experience delays. It means that God is working in ways we can't possibly imagine. And He's going to bring good out of these circumstances. Romans 8.28 reminds us that God causes everything to work together for good, for His glory and for our good, even in tough times. The Bible tells us the Lord is for us when we go through trials of various kinds. James says this, grows us, this helps us grow up and become mature. That's one of those advantages of writing things down, writing notes. We see progress. But sometimes we like to mature quickly. And we want all our problems solved today. And the Lord doesn't work that way. In fact, when Peter was talking about this, he said, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth, following their own desires. They'll say, what happened to that promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything's remained the same since the world was first created. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. I mean, listen to what Peter said here. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really slow about His promise, as some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I mean, Peter was making it very clear that if you and I are going to have a personal relationship with God, we're going to have to trust His timing because he lives forever. The Bible says our lifespan here, it's like a mist in the morning. It's just gone in a few hours. Well, that would be from God's perspective. I mean, how long is 70 or 80 years to him? Moses waited 40 years before, after he left Egypt before he had the burning bush experience where God told him what he needed to do. Joseph served in Potiphar's house and in prison for 13 years after his brother sold him into slavery before he was ever elevated to a position of leadership in Egypt. David had to wait 20 years before he became king, and Abraham had to wait 25 years from the time he left for the land of Canaan until his son Isaac was born. I mean, sometimes when we talk about waiting on the Lord and we talk about, oh, I've had to wait so long, I've been praying for years about these things, we act like something strange is happening to us. I mean, nobody in the Bible ever had to go through that. Well, of course they did. They all did. And we have to trust that God's timing is perfect. And by the way, when he says things are going to happen, they're going to happen. He told Habakkuk, wait patiently for it. It'll surely take place. It won't be delayed. God's timing may seem slow to us, but he's always exactly on time 
and at the right time. And if we wait patiently for him to act, oh, then our life will be so much better. It's told, uh, the story told of George Mueller. He was a well-known Christian evangelist in the 1800s who spoke a lot about faith and about trusting God. And when he was 40 years old, he determined he would pray for five of his friends who didn't know the Lord to come to Christ. After a few months, the first person came to Christ. After another 10 years, the next two, number two and three, they came to Christ. 25 years later, when Mueller was 65, the fourth friend came to Christ, and he prayed every day for that last friend for 52 years, because Mueller died when he was 92, and that friend had still not come to Christ. In fact, he didn't come to Christ until a couple of months after Mueller died. But he prayed for those five friends every day till each one of them came to know the Lord. He was willing to wait. He was willing to trust in God's timing. And this is what God was telling Habakkuk to do. Though it tarries, though it might take a while, wait for it. Everything I've told you will happen exactly at the right time. So when we're facing difficult times, it's important to write things down. It's important to wait for God's timing. And a third thing that God told Habakkuk to do was to trust in his justice and righteousness. In fact, he said uh, about the Babylonians, because um, Habakkuk had said, God, how can you send the Babylonians, a people more wicked than we are, to correct us? I mean, that's not right. And God was saying, I'll take care of the Babylonians in their time too. In fact, listen to Habakkuk 2.16. He said, of the Babylonians, soon it'll be your turn to be disgraced. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forests of Lebanon, now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, now, you, now their terror will be yours. The Babylonians were uh, an ecological nightmare. When they conquered a country, they took all the best things of the country. Like They took all those magnificent cedars in Lebanon, cut them down for wood for their own homes. And they hunted the forest to depletion of all the wild game just because they could. And they were a greedy, selfish, wicked people. And God said, you destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. And God said, your day will come. And he was telling Habakkuk about this 70 years in advance. He said, write it down, it's coming. And all these Babylonians are going to laugh at this because they're going to say, we're conquering you. Why are you telling us about bad things that are going to happen to us down the road? It'll never happen. But it did. It all did. And it happened exactly when the Lord said it would. So for you and I, we need to trust that God's righteousness and justice will prevail. In Romans 12, Paul tells us why this is important. He says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay him back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, then feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I remember a conversation I had with a man a number of years ago. He'd been through a, a terribly painful business dealing. A business partner of his had really um, treated him awfully. It ended up uh, basically taking most of the money out of the company that they had started together and just cheated this guy out of all kinds 
of money and left him with a lot of bills and a lot of debt and a lot of pain. And I remember talking about his, him, talking about the situation with this man and how he felt toward his old business partner. He said, well, I forgave him years ago. And he meant it. I mean, he had complete peace about it. And I said, well, wow, that's amazing. And he said, no, not really. He said, if you'd have known me before I came to know Christ, John, you'd understand that Jesus forgave me of so much sin. He gave me billions and billions in credit of grace, of grace credits. And he said, even though I don't have much money now, I am rich in grace and I can lavish forgiveness on other people because I've been forgiven of so much. Man, I want to be like that. I mean, he trusted, look, he said, if there's any score to be settled with this fella, the Lord will settle that score. I just have to love people and be obedient to what God wants me to do today. Oh, I want to live like that. And that's what God was telling Habakkuk to do. Hey, you don't have to worry about the Babylonians. I'll take care of them. Their day will come. Trust me. And if we could do that, man, if we could really let go of some of the hurts and pains and the uh, terrible things that other people have cheated us out of or said to us or hurt us in awful ways, if we could let go of some of those things and say, God, you're going to have to settle the score because I, I can't do this. Well, then we'd be free to love others the way he wants us to. Fourthly, we need to schedule some time to be still, to be quiet in God's presence. That's what God told Habakkuk to do. He said, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. He had told Habakkuk of all the coming dangers and hardships that he'd face. He told him of how the Babylonians were going to be crushed. And he reminded him, it's terribly important that you sit still. When we're going through hard times, it's so easy to get frantic and say, well, I, I've got to change this. I've got to fix this. I've got to talk to so-and-so. I've got to work here and here and here and here and here. And this all has to change right now. And yet the Lord tells his people, no, I need you to be still and know that I'm God. I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. That's Psalm 4610. The beginning of Psalm 46 says, even if there's an earthquake and all the mountains fall into the sea. We're not going to be afraid because the Lord is taking care of us. We're going to sit still and be silent in His presence. Now here are a couple ways that being still helps us. When we're still, we can hear God's voice so we can gain His perspective. I mean, when I've got my phone on constantly, when I've got my radio on, television on, when I'm constantly being bombarded by all kinds of messages from who knows where, I'm responding to texts and social media, my head can be so swimming with information and so many opinions, so many issues that I can't hear God at all. But what if I schedule time every day and then schedule an extended time every week when I could unplug and just be quiet and just sit still? What if I could hear God's voice God, what do you want me to do today in the midst of the difficult times? Being still also renews my confidence in the Lord. Be still and know that I'm God. 
And when I sit still and I reflect on some of the notes in my journal, when I look back on some of the passages that God has been reading, had me reading over the last week, all of a sudden I start remembering, oh yeah, He's guiding me. I mean, some of my devotionals this last week were so spot on. It was amazing. I'd wake up in the morning with a worry on my mind and exactly the passage I was reading that day was exactly addressing that topic. Well, when I write those things down, I remind myself God's watching out for me and it restores my confidence that He's guiding me even in the difficult times. And that helps me find peace in the midst of difficulty. And finally, the Lord told Habakkuk, you need to live by faith. In fact, he said, look at the proud. Speaking of the Babylonians, they trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. In fact, three times in the New Testament, that verse was quoted in Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. Over and over again, it says, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. I mean, faith is confidence what we hope for, assurance of what we don't see yet. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. And in the New Testament, the New Testament writers quoted this verse because when we face difficult times, we need to put our faith in God. It takes faith in God to wait. It takes faith in God to trust that His justice will prevail and I don't need to go and seek revenge. It takes faith in God to sit still when everything and everyone around me tells me I need to be doing something. It takes faith in God to even get out a pen and paper when I open my Bible and trust that He's going to speak to me today because He will. But that's how righteous people live in difficult times, by faith. God's going to guide me. He'll speak to me. God will come through and use us for my good in His timing. God, I can trust that He's going to settle the score with people who've done me wrong. I can trust that if I'm sitting still, God's working. That's living by faith. When Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to know, brothers, that we expected to die. And he went to places that were so hostile, people not only threatened to kill him, they tried to kill him. He said, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Paul said, you know, even one of the scariest situations I've ever been in my life, God used even that for good because I quit relying on myself and my own wits and my ability to get out of difficult situations, and I just trusted in God. Paul said that was a watershed moment in his life. I started to rely on God and trust Him in the middle of a situation where I thought I was going to die. I want you to hear from April Gray. Uh, she's been involved in our church for a number of years. And April uh, sat down in front of a camera and told us some of her experiences of living by faith, even in difficult times. Hi, I'm April Gray, and John asked me to share a little bit with you about what it means to live by faith. So one of the things that God has taught me about living by faith is that I have to turn to Him and wait on Him and be still. Um, there was one time when I lived in Birmingham, I had moved up there for a job, 
and something just quite wasn't right and all I kept hearing him say was be still and know. It gets very frustrating at times when all you hear is be still and know. So you sit there and you listen and you get down on your knees and you pray and you get in the word and he took care of it. He ended up taking care of that situation and providing me with a career that I never could have even imagined. You know, there's been times I've trusted God and it's been an easy thing to do, but there's also been times that, that have been extremely hard where you're questioning why me and why this has happened. And one such occasion was when my dad became ill. Um, my dad was my best friend, uh, my counselor, my Mr. Fix-It, and he passed away 20 months ago. During that time, you have to find a new way to live, putting one foot in front of the other. But we have a hope and a future, and that hope and that future is looking forward to heaven, looking forward to seeing him again, how things are gonna be so much different and better there, and I can't wait to see him again. Another way of living by faith is waiting on God's timing. Um, I've actually been praying for something for many, many years every single day. I thought I would be a wife and a mom, and that's something I'm still praying about, but I will continue to wait because his timing is perfect and he sees the whole picture and knows that future is out there for me. If the road ahead looks tough to you, I say lean into him. Get around other Christians and believers with like-minded spirits and it just makes all the difference in the world. But turn to him, he knows your needs. He'll put those verses in front of you. He'll speak through people around you. He'll put the right people in the right place. He'll give you opportunities to encourage you. I trust him to do what's right for me, even if it doesn't look like what I thought it would. So as I wrap up this message today, I just want to lead us in a word of prayer. A prayer that God will help us live by faith, that we'll really trust him, that he can handle things we can't handle because he, see thing, he sees things we can't see. He'll settle any score that needs to be settled. He'll guide us and make things clear to us. He will give us the desires of our heart in his time. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, gracious God, I just pray today that you will examine our hearts and you will encourage us when we go through difficult times. Father, I pray that you would put a hunger and a desire in our hearts to read your word every day and to write down a few things and to review those notes to remind ourselves of what you told us so we can have peace and see progress and we can even help others. Father, I pray that you will help us wait patiently for your timing, that we won't run ahead and we won't just try to be busy doing something. We'll be willing to sit still today for a few minutes and just be silent, trusting that you're gonna work things out. Oh God, we thank you that your justice and righteousness will prevail. We thank you, Lord, that if our enemies are hungry or thirsty, we can feed them and give them something to drink, knowing full well that if there's anything that needs to be settled, you'll take care of that. Oh God, help us to live by faith. Give us confidence, you Lord. The devil is chipping away at our confidence all the time. Oh, God's not gonna hear this. It's taking too long. You must not have prayed the right way. Nonsense, Lord. We come into your presence today and say, Lord, help us. We trust you. We rely on you. 
Thank you for Habakkuk and for giving him instructions during the time, the difficult times that he faced. Lord, help us apply those instructions to the difficult times we face as well. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.